I realized in the organization it has a lot of the same impact because you just need one person to succeed and if that person succeeds, then his or her teammates will, will, will see that and say, if he can make it, I can make it as well. And then it becomes collective uh, motivation. And, and, and as time goes by, I think this positive um, um, engagement um, becomes viral in the in the company. So, but you need to have everyone, you know, running. I mean, what matters is to have a group of runners and, and game changers who play that roles and who will um, instillate in, in the companies this feeling of yes, we can make it. Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, we speak with the creative, energetic, conscientious, global pioneer in the fields of leadership and management. He has a master's degree in actual science from the Institute of Statistics, University of Paris, an MBA in general management from HEC Paris, and has studied executive education and customer experience at Harvard University. During his 20 plus years as a senior level executive in financial services and insurance, he has held roles at PricewaterhouseCoopers, SBI Life Insurance Company, and BNP Paribas Cardiff, where he currently holds the title of President and CEO at BNP Paribas Cardiff General Insurance in Seoul, Korea. I have the privilege to present to you a man who is fluent in English, French, and Spanish, loves to compete in Ironman triathlon events, and has honed his skills across three continents in Latin America, Europe, and Asia. Olivia Calandro. Olivia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. Hi. Nice to be here. Excellent. So you've had a very diverse background in working all around the world. So where did you grow up and what was life like as a child for you? Well, I grew up in, um, in the suburb of Paris uh, until my nine years old. And then my parents decided to relocate in the countryside uh, in a very small town uh, called Angoulême, which is basically near where my parents uh, were born, both of them. So I, I was, when I was a young boy, uh, very active. And um, I used to live in um, big buildings in the suburb of Paris. And my parents were... Um, lucky enough to have a small house in this village, and it was for me a kind of um, um, uh, oxygen uh, um, because I could uh, overnight um, enjoy the woods, enjoy the natures, uh, go out every weekend with my bicycle, with my friends, something that I, I guess I was missing a lot when I was in Paris. So quickly I developed a um, huge taste for uh, adventure, and sports as well, and I was also lucky because next to this, uh, to my parents' house, uh, there was a big sport club where I could practice uh, soccer and tennis. I think I feel a bit lucky because probably um, if I had stayed uh, in, in the big city, I would not have been able to enjoy so much uh, the countryside and, and sports around. It's a lot of freedom as a child. So what lit the spark to pursue a career in financial services and insurance? Yeah, well, when I was a boy, I, I used to enjoy a lot of uh, mathematics and, uh, and computer science. So naturally, this is where I uh, kind of uh, evolved uh, as a student. Uh, but to be frank, this is not really the dream I have. Um, when I was a boy, uh, I wanted to become um, a pilot, a craft pilot. But that's um, basically what I choose to do after my my high school degree, and uh, I went to a school to uh, to pursue those studies um, in a, in an army school because I wanted to be a fighting pilot. Oh wow! And uh, and uh, so I got the chance to meet uh, to meet real uh, uh, fighting uh, jet pilot, uh, as well as um, as soldiers who explained to me and to my uh, classmate 
what it was to be a, a pilot and especially a pilot in the army and uh, then i i just found out that the uh, what i wanted to what i loved the most was to fly and not to fly in the in the army as such so i kind of um, um, kept that passion for me uh, for a while which was flying and uh, but decided to uh, to move back to uh, a more uh, uh, academic um, uh, background focusing on mathematics and computer science uh, and so I kind of landed in the uh, uh, actual uh, field a bit by chance uh, if I can say um, when I was in Paris uh, but I always kept the uh, the uh, the flying uh, as a as a passion uh, while I was in Paris trying to uh, to together with friends who who love to fly and to fly with them. Beautiful. So how important was starting your career at Pricewaterhouse Coopers to where you are now? Well, Pricewaterhouse Coopers were my first uh, move right after my travel degree, and it was kind of a natural one because I don't want to to focus too much on one single company. So at that time, PwC was one of the first firm in France to create uh, an actual consulting services that were uh, in charge of uh, helping the uh, accountants to certify the um, insurance uh, and bank uh, firm balance sheet. So I joined this, uh, this newly created team um, and got the chance uh, to work for different clients uh, that were international clients, domestic clients, and, and that's basically what drove me to be able to switch from one client to the other one working on a two-weeks mission, one-month mission, six-month mission. A great start to your career. So you believe, I believe you realized very early on that you wanted to go beyond the French borders. Obviously, you love flying planes, so you're always looking at going somewhere. What was it that inspired you to go out of your depth and challenge yourself in different countries? Um, well, I've, I think I've always had in my, in my heart, in my guts, the, um, the dream to one day live and, and uh, live abroad. Um, and the job opportunity that I got to go to India was just the, the chance uh, I got to fulfill my dream, which was living abroad. So how I, I basically came to India is again um, a bit of um, chance, if I can say, because I went to India um, for a leisure trip for more than a month, and which I really liked, of course. And when I came back, um, I was having um, a coffee uh, with one of my colleagues um, at the coffee machine. And just had come back uh, the, the night before from India. So I was a bit tired and he asked me, so how was India? And of course, I was so excited that I was to discuss a bit about the countries and its culture and how different it is from, from what we know in the Western countries. And I told him that I would dream to, to go there again, to, to, to discover more and to learn more about, about myself as well. And that's why this friend told me that there was an opportunity uh, in one of the new ventures we had in India. So I, I was a bit uh, surprised and I just checked information uh, with my manager at that time and he confirmed uh, that it was the case. So I just applied because I, I think it was the, the natural things to do. Uh, and, and a few months later, I was, I was gone uh, for good in India. A big change from France to India, a very different culture, very different way of working. So working in multiple countries and with different cultures requires quite unique skill sets. So what skills do you think are most important in developing multicultural teams? There, I think the, there is no magical recipe to, to, to succeed in, um, in a different countries than yours, but I think the important one is to remain open um, to people, to be humble and uh, accept the differences. Um, I think it's when you have the chance to 
to go abroad, whether it is to leave um, for certain periods to work, or just go on vacation for a short period of time. Uh, it's such a unique uh, experience that I think you have to embrace the change, uh, embrace the people, um, and just listen to them and open your heart because um, this is where you you can really put into perspective your your beliefs, your values, your traditions, and you realize that it's uh, there's not one uh, one single answer to one question. There's actually as many questions as as, um, as as possible as people you can meet, and and that's something that you are never really prepared for. Um, but if you are brave enough and and not afraid, it's very much rewarding because just realize that it's. Uh, you're not unique and that um, people, I mean, can can bring you a lot and can change you as well as a person. So being open, being humble, um, embracing the change, I think are maybe one of the few things you, you need to have to make your experience abroad um, um, a very rich one and, and successful one. What have been the largest differences in the way people lead and respond to leadership in different countries? So you talk about that humbleness, um, you talk about they're being open to change, but are there, are there differences in the way that people lead and the leadership sort of organizational structure works? I think, I think leadership, um, of course, it's very much influenced by your your own values and, and, and culture, and um, also by the situation and, and the context. So different people dif respond differently to um, to certain situation. Um, for some, some in some culture, I guess, the leadership um, is very uh, hierarchical, and the leaders um, will tend to impose themselves because they have the rank to do that. And uh, it and it works pretty well um, in in some countries. Uh, in, in other countries, the leadership is uh, will more depend about your the, the capacity to to listen others and to and and, and, and to find the right um, compromise. So if if I compare a bit because I got the chance to live on on uh, in South America and, and in Asia. And, and the way the organization or structure is a bit different in, in Asia, um, there is um, a very deep respect for the, uh, the seniority and the, and the hierarchy, uh, which make some organizations very much of efficient, uh, thanks to the uh, organization and the well-defined chain of command. Um, and in some situations, this will boost a lot the productivity and performance. And that's a very great asset. In uh, if if I go to South America, um, it's a bit different because of the um, uh, the less or the more flat flattest organizations and sometimes less hierarchical. That will make as well the um, the leadership a bit uh, a bit a bit different uh, in the way it is uh, it is perceived by the uh, by the teams. So for you and. In Seoul, in your current role, are you able to bring your French influence and your background? And are you is that are you able to influence the way the leadership is in your company there, or do you have to adapt quite a lot to the way things have kind of always been done in Korea? I think you need to adapt wherever you are, and uh, whether you are French uh, from New Zealand or from Chile, or you need to adapt wherever you are, and um, of course. You can never neglect or, or forget who you are, where you come from. So I guess I have in my um, in the way I, I lead people a bit of French uh, aspect and influence for sure. But that's the most important it, is to understand how my teams, my people think, behave, and to adapt. It's 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 for me to make the effort to go to to my people, understand how they feel. So, so when 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 I lead them, um, uh, I make sure that uh, I understand them and, uh, and and understand me. So it's and that's probably the most the most important. So how do you 
who are working in those environments, how, how do you balance your team members' business versus their personal development? Personal development is for, I mean, in, in my company, an, an important aspect of the, um, the people management, um, meaning that beyond the cultural differences that uh, exist uh, within the organization, um, it's, it's important for, for, for my management team to make sure that people who join us um, are willing to to make the change and uh, ready as well to work in a, in a company that is uh, international company, multicultural companies um, with its own um, governance and, and values. And of course, we are multinational uh, French company um, in Korea. Uh, and, and for our employees, this has um, a value because we have, of course, different cultural set of rules um, uh, in, in Korea. So we do have a um, program for, for our people in terms of training, not only for them to, uh, to stay uh, up to date and, and to the top in our business field, but as well um, some emotional uh, skill management. Uh, for them to be able to uh, cop up uh, with the cultural differences uh, that, uh, uh, of course, are natural in the in the multinational companies, but as well to be able to um, to work uh, to work uh, as a team. So, in your team, there do they speak mainly Korean, or do they speak French, or do they speak English? Well, what is the common language? I think for French, I'm the one of the few to speak French, uh, with another one of my teammates who is French as well. Uh, no, I think the main language is Korean, um, of course, and, and English. So it's um, try to have um, as much people as possible understanding English and managing English, um, especially at the management level. So people I work with directly um, speak English, um, uh, but it's not um, a prerequisite for each and every staff. Um, it really depends on the, uh, the, what the, the people are exposed to, what they have to deal with. Um, so I would say that as of today, maybe half of the companies speak uh, a very good English and, and the other one uh, understand it. But since they don't have to speak it every day, this is not something that we are impose and how good's your uh, your korean at present i would say um so so very basic to be very <laughs> frank um <laughs> i feel a bit frustrated about it because um i think it's um very important to to matter the language uh, wherever you are um korea is a um, fascinating country and korean language is one of the most difficult uh, language in the world. It's very easy to learn how to read a uh, Korean alphabet. You can, I think, master that in a couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, soon enough, you realize that uh, you can read, but I don't understand very much what you're reading. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it takes more time probably to understand uh, how to speak efficiently. And, um, well, I made a choice to, to, to focus on uh, making sure that my team understands what I say um, so that they can also uh, uh, execute properly and, and of course, uh, exchange with me uh, naturally whenever it's needed. And we found out that English is, 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 the, best, uh, is the best choice. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I would say that my Korean uh, language is, is very, very uh, uh, basic. At the moment, I managed to survive to do a, if I go to a restaurant, or, but that's pretty much about it. <laughs> so what characteristics do you think enable you to be a successful leader? So what's your leadership style? My style, as I, as I say, it really depends on the, on the situation. So 
I don't know if I have a specific style. Um, I try to be as open as possible with my team and so to create uh, a comfort zone, a space wherein they can come to me whenever they feel like it to, uh, to share their, uh, their issues, their concern. And um, I really do believe that decision making um, must be the result of uh, consultations and um, to make sure that you have highest engagement among your team. Uh, one must make sure that teams understand uh, what is at stake, uh, why we do, why we, we need to do this uh, and how. Um, and you can't achieve um, high engagement uh, if people are afraid uh, to come to and discuss with you. So I, I, I focus on, on, on that, um, try to have with my team a great exchange, whether it is informal or formal. Um, in Korea, it's, it's, it's from time to time, um, a very high level of formality and a lot of protocols. So I, I try to break this uh, as much as possible uh, and, and making my role as a, as a CEO um, like a normal role, if I can say, and so that anyone can can discuss with me, uh, whatever the rank, whatever the um, the job, whatever the opinions, and it takes a bit of time to achieve that, um, and that's part I think of the uh, try to be open and, and humble, so people know that we are we are all here to achieve the same goal, and um, yeah, so. But again, it depends very much on the uh, on the situation, uh, and it changes according to the uh, the stress as well. So, and st when stress is high, I'd say it's even more important to to remain uh, focused and open, because from time to time, when stress is high, team can have a tendency to uh, to uh, not to talk uh, or to to self-protect themselves. So, I think that's in this situation that um, you have to make the difference and, uh, and make people feel, uh, feel at ease to share whatever they have uh, in their mind, in their heart. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a kind of a, um, continuous uh, process. Um, can always do better, can always be more open, can always uh, understand people better and, and vice versa. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of, um, Lots of communication, lots of short talks, short dialogues, one-to-one -one, uh, with, uh, with everyone. Brilliant. So it is easy as a leader to become insular in the way we think and act. What strategies do you have in place to ensure that there is some external accountability for you as a leader and the work your team does? We do um, have mentoring uh, within the, uh, the company as a group um, so that people can either be a mentor or be a mentee. Um, I do myself, for instance, uh, some mentoring for, for people within the group, uh, which are quite uh, useful to me because, uh, of course, the mentee is also a, um, it's a kind of, a, I mean, process. So. The mentee helps the mentors, uh, in particular myself, to, uh, to realize um, what I can bring and what I cannot bring. And so we, we, we both focus on, the, on, 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 on this. Um, for, for my team in particular, we have, as I said, some personal development um, training where, whereby um, we can invite um, in the company, some external coaches uh, who will um, talk to different groups, uh, mixing up people again from um, um, different uh, different ranks, different grades. So we, we try to actually to gather people outside the uh, the office um, um, for them feeling more secure and and, and, and not in a in a business environment. To and, and to play some uh, some uh, role plays or, or game of roles where um, junior staff uh, will meet with the senior staff 
and uh, and be able to play their senior staff roles and and vice versa. So they can understand exactly what it is to be a manager uh, and to understand from a general perspective why the managers uh, needs to act this way or that way, and vice versa. Also, invite the senior staff to to put. Uh, uh, his shoes or her shoes in 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 the juniors junior shoes so as well how his management style his leadership whatever he, he says uh, may influence or be perceived by the, uh, the the junior and I think in Asia it's quite important because again I I I found out that the um, the ranks can really uh, influence on the one hand uh, what is said uh, and how uh, what is said is understood. So being able to to allow your staff to play different roles uh, within the organization is a way for them to as well understand better uh, the, uh, the the perception from uh, from their teammates. So who has been the most influential on your career, and what is the piece of advice that has stayed with you over time? That's a great question, and um, I, there's many people uh, also who influence me and I encounters. So it's pretty hard for me to state uh, one one person in particular. I think it's uh, it's, it's 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 a very difficult question. Um, but I can maybe give a few examples. One person, really, just before I took my my uh, my current job. Uh, I was giving an advice. Uh, what would it be to be a uh, to be a CEO, and, and how would it be to lead uh, teams from a CEO perspective? And uh, he's had his uh, great careers, and uh, he's been a CEO himself. And he told me just a few words that still uh, resonate with me today. Uh, he told me you have to think think slow and act fast. Uh, that's something that still today um, uh, influences me in the way that it's, especially when you take new position, uh, whatever it is, or you, I mean, you, you accept a new change, a new challenge. It's it's important to 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 listen at the beginning, make sure that you understand the things right, and it's 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 a process that needs time. You cannot understand things in um, faster than 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 it needs. Some people understand faster, some not, so it's, you need to give the time to yourself to understand um, where you are, why you are here, and what you have to do. Uh, and once you, you've gone through that process, um, and you show what, what to do, then you have to do it uh, uh, without waiting for too long. Um, just because the only way to, to test your ideas uh, is to actually implement them and to confront them with reality. So I think it was a good uh, piece of advice um, that still yes, um, resonates in me. Yeah, a lot of people spend a lot of time building the strategy and doing all the planning, but by the time they come to implement it, it's too late or they've moved on to something else. So I think it's a really great approach of thinking slow but acting fast. What has been the main focus for you since taking over as president and CEO of BNP Paribas Cardiff in Seoul? The main focus um, I joined the company a bit more than two years ago has been to uh, first understand the market where we operate in and the dynamics and the, and the drivers. Um, that, that was the very first um, step I took with my team and, and and of course I was lucky enough to have a, a local team uh, aware uh, about about this market so could uh, could um, help us to, to to be quick and and, 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 and to save time um, and after we went to market we uh, we um, we had to make choices where we wanted to, to grow because um, the market in Korea it's, it's, it's a big market uh, but it's um, very much um, dominated by by local groups, uh, local giants. So we we are here and, and humble uh, because we are a young company. So 
we 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 had to find ways to grow in this big market, uh, but uh, in our own space. Um, so we we focused on defining strategy that were um, very well uh, positioned, uh, that would give us enough space to grow um, without. Uh, uh, attracting too much competition, at least at the beginning. Because uh, Korea is a very competitive market, you have to execute very quickly to stay ahead of competition, uh, and you have to keep the pace at all time to avoid competition to eat you. So that's a bit what we are. We have worked um, a lot at the beginning, uh, that was finding those spaces um, that are with big potential, and then building up the team that will allow us to keep the pace in that space. And so we are still in that in, in that process, but that's a continuous process. Um, and whatever we do, bring some reaction from the competition. And we do uh, we do feed ourselves with those, uh, this quality feedback to adjust our strategy uh, on a, on a real time basis and make sure that we stay uh, we stay ahead as much as possible. I like that. It's not about staying with the competition, it's staying ahead of the competition. So a very good approach. What has been the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome in your career so far? And what did you learn from it? That's another great question. Um, I think the biggest obstacle in, in my career um, the past almost 20 years, uh, I was lucky to to work in different countries. Um, I mean, sweeping from uh, Asia to South America. And I think the um, the biggest obstacle is probably um, a personal ones, which is um, how to keep adapting yourself uh, and how to keep uh, um, um, embracing the change and accepting the unknown uh, that takes a lot of uh, of i think efforts to, to constantly forget uh, in a way what you've done in the previous countries um, at least and forget what you have been used to to um, to dive again in, in the new countries and kind of restart we start from zero um, and i think that uh, as a human being uh, it's 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 always more comfortable to to not not to change or to keep the same habits um, to make your decisions to recruit your people uh, because that's of course it's um, that's what makes you uh, at ease so I had to learn new languages um, I had to face people who disagreed with me um, not because uh, I was I was wrong, but sometimes because the way um, I was thinking was not the way they were thinking. So it's, uh, it's, it's if you cannot adapt to the way people think, to the way people see things, it, it can quickly become uh, uh, non-productive uh, because you reach a point where um, communication is. Um, is ineffective. So uh, being able to start again from zero uh, regularly every three to four years can become an obstacle if you're not ready to to accept that. So I think that was, um, I don't know if it's an obstacle, but at least a big challenge for sure. Um, but I think if you're ready to embrace a challenge, again, um, it's something very much rewarding because that's kind of you, you feel like naked if you allow me the expression <laughs> and uh, you have to put your thought and your feeling uh, um, again every couple of years you know uh, uh, on, on, on the table with your teammate and that's it, it, it takes a bit of courage to do that because it's uh, usually people like to show that they can do they, they are strong and and, and to accept that you don't know everything, you don't master everything, it's uh, it's tough. Um, but if it's genuine and sincere, I think it can 
it can bring more, it can bring a lot, uh, I think, and uh, and make you grow as a person, uh, as a human being, and, and and also as a leader. So we first met in Taiwan when you started out in triathlon. What what is about triathlon that you enjoy the most? I enjoyed a lot triathlon because um, that's something first I do for myself. And um, I think there's a lot in, in triathlon or in any Indian sport, a lot to do with um, resilience. Um, what I like in triathlon is that it's painful uh, in a way. Uh, it's painful to to do the training, to to get up early in the morning, to to do your training, and it's it's long training, longer the training, uh, just for one race. Um, but what I like is that it gives me the discipline and and the commitment um, that uh, I also um, applying to myself in 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 the work at work. So. When I do um, my my training, uh, it's also I do it early morning uh, when family is uh, is sleeping and just before to go to work. Uh, it helps me as well to put my thoughts in order uh, to to get positive energy before to come to work and to also level my uh, my to also adjust my 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 stress level. And um, yeah, it's. Um, that's something I, I, I do really need. I think it, it helps to balance uh, my 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 physical body with my with my mind and uh, and, and to, to put the two uh, uh, yes very much in, uh, in, in 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 harmony. Right, and so you've stepped up now to Ironman triathlons, which obviously take a lot of time and commitment. To complete them and it sounds like you know you've figured out some really good strategies to get training in when your family are sleeping what effect does doing those longer races around resilience have on your ability as a ceo and has it inspired anyone else in the organization to take on some endurance sports uh, uh i don't know if it has um if it has uh, encouraged some in my team to do endurance sports in in, in in Korea, it's um, uh, it's a lot about uh, golf. Uh, Koreans are very good golf players, world class. They have world class golf players. Um, so I and but they also have um, a good taste for for triathlon. Uh, actually, Korea hosts now for uh, for many years uh, half Ironman and Ironman events uh, that are world class. It's a world-class event with uh, every year increasing number of athletes, um, and I think that's uh, yeah that's um, very positive, and uh, and you can see a lot of, of of current athletes joining the event more and more every year. Um, what it uh, it brings me at the um, I mean in 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 my day to day. Uh, again, it's the uh, I think in in in, in the uh, Ironman event. When you do triathlon, at least in my in, in my case, I studied triathlon around ten years ago, and it's kind of um, a progressive um, um, uh, uh, evolution. And I would never had signed for an Ironman ten years ago. I just studied Ironman and triathlon. Um, it was a bet done with a few friends uh, back in Taipei, and my first race was a disaster. It was not at all prepared, but. It was very fun because we did it with uh, with, with those friends, and then I said to realize that it, it takes a bit of uh, of organization, commitment, and uh, strong strong willingness to to to, to finish the race. So I started to start to enjoy uh, enjoy it because it's um, it it forces you to be uh, to, to to be organized, and, and I think it's uh, the more the more you do. Uh, the more you want. So I finally uh, done my first Ironman. It was last year um, because I wanted to do more. Um, and and the more you the more you see that you can do, then it's 
the more confident you 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 feel so it's the most difficult for i think is to to start moving and when you start moving then you just realize it's not that hard it's not that difficult and that actually it brings a lot of positive emotion and and vibes and i think it's the same uh, at work I, i realize that sometimes change can be perceived by people as a big mountain and that we just uh, look at the summit it's very high and and why we have to look at the the bottom the foot of the hill right and go step by step right so and that's what i think for me alone man is is that it's a long race but if you break it into small races it becomes much more easier right so uh, i try to approach um my 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 job is the same the same way we have a big project it's it's okay i mean it's uh, we don't have to be worried about it i mean we can make it uh, as long as we are able to 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 make this project um, um a one well defined well organized with small steps uh and you do one step you think it's not that hard you can do a second step it's still okay and then when you start you know moving and and, and running um I think it's fine. I can, I can, I can do it, and it, it, it's. I realize in the organization it has a lot of positive impact because you just need one person to succeed, and if that person succeeds, then his or her teammates will 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 see that and say, if he can make it, I can make it as well, and then it becomes a collective uh, motivation, and 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 as time goes by, I think this positive um, um, engagement. Um, becomes virals in the in the company so but you need to have everyone you know running i mean what matter is to have a group of runners and and game changers who play that roles and who will um instillate in, in in the company this feeling of yes we can make it and and, and that's enough and, and that's and that's enough that's very important so we all know smart people have great answers but the best people ask great questions when was the last time you did something for the first time? Um, that's another great question. Um, well, the one that comes to my mind, it's not a big thing, but actually I have two, two, two things. Um, the last weekend, for the first time in my life, I have tried electric <laughs> electric scooter <laughs> with my boy. So it's... <laughs> it's Something maybe looks a bit silly, but it's um, I never tried before, and I think okay, let's 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 do this. And uh, of course, my boy was much more at it than I was, but it it was it was great fun. Uh, it's small things, but I think it's it's it 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 put my boy very happy, and uh, he's the one who told me, Dad, let's try that, and it shouldn't be too high. So okay, why not? <laughs> and uh, and and I think it's 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 you know it's it's good to have you know people. Wherever they are, showing you the way, and uh, and, uh, and and another one which is more linked to triathlon is um, in Seoul. There is a big river, the Han River. This is quite large; it's like uh, 800 meters large. And uh, for the first time since I arrived in Seoul two years ago, I crossed the river, you know, for for training. I always thought it would be great to do that because I used to see a group of swimmers uh, every weekend uh, when I train along the river. Uh, with my bicycle, I said I should try. I should try, but I always push it back because I thought that it's maybe not the best things to do, and there's a lot of current, and maybe the water is polluted, or I always found some good reasons not to do it. And uh, until I say, okay, let, let's try. I mean, if, uh, if so many people swim, there must be a good reason, right? So why they do it? So so first time was two weeks ago, and it was it was great actually. It was great. It was not polluted, clear waters, no current. So all the things I had in mind were were put down actually. And um, yeah, those are the the two things that comes to my mind. But it's uh, it's hard to do to keep doing things first time. Often it's uh, yeah, it takes uh, takes a lot of uh, of, uh, of uh, how to say it's a lot of time and uh, and and innovation as well. So, but from time to time, yes, I think it's good. Brilliant. What is the one question that you would love to solve? Wow. Um, um, 
Well, I will not think about the question that we all have. Uh, maybe uh, why are we here or where are we going? All these <laughs> metaphysical questions, because I'm not sure I would be. It's easy to solve them, but um, maybe one question uh, that I have is, um, what are my limits? I think that's a question I I still don't have the answers, and that's probably what um, what keeps me going. I mean, so since that answer, uh, maybe it's what um, keeps me trying new things or taking new risks and ultimately improving myself day by day, little by little, so never being satisfied with what I have and uh, and, and trying to know what's what's next. Uh, yes, maybe that's one question that uh, that uh, I would like to solve, but <laughs> not sure I'd be able to, to solve it one day, uh, but, but I keep trying. And how do you know when you're in a peak state of mind? Uh, well, it's think when, when when my when my body say no um, because of of pain um, training for instance but also sometimes at work you know you're tired you're physically tired mentally tired because things don't go the way you want uh, people disagree people don't want to do so it's you have to keep fighting to convince but so sometimes it's I can feel a bit I can feel a bit drained you know drained or tired or motivated but when my mind uh, keeps saying no to, to, to go through it and, 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 and to go through the pain and and to to enjoy it actually and and try to use this pain as a, as a motivational factor I think that's when I, I mean my yes my my best that I, I refuse to accept the pain or it's not I refuse that I accept the pain and try to to use it as a, as a strength. So, um, and I think the same when I when I do training. Uh, it's most of the time it's painful. <laughs> to be very frank, it's painful to get up in the morning. It's painful to uh, to, to to hit the kilometers. But when you reach a, I reach a point of it's painful, and I think I can go through it and I can enjoy the pain. Uh, I think that's why I'm. I feel really good. Um, You've provided some great insights today. How can people learn more about what you do or if they want to connect with you, what is the best way? Oh, they can. Um, I think after living, uh, li listening to this, uh, this interview, they can connect me through social media, through, through LinkedIn. Or, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good way to, to get in touch. I'm always happy to... Uh, meet new people and also uh, listen to people's story and experience. Um, that's, that's something that I think that this is where we, we learn the most. So yeah, they can find me probably uh, easily on, a, on, a, on the internet, on Google. So Olivia, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Really enjoyed your insights into working in multiple countries around the world quite often in a language that is not your native language and being able to figure out how to get teams to work together, to buy in, to create really, really amazing things to help customers or clients or people around the world. You have a very curious approach to life. I love the way that you are trying to foster innovation all the time and doing that through bringing people together and ensuring that they have the opportunity to share different insights and different ways of thinking so it's not always in that everyone agrees. It's like, you know, you need to challenge each other a little bit around to get the best out of people. Um, I thank you very, very much for your insights and appreciate your time today. So thank you. Thank you very much, Ray. This week's Active CEO wellness tip is circle of trust. Your performance is the average of the five closest people in your working environment? What is the diversity of the people around you that can hold you accountable and challenge your way of thinking? Remember, they also provide you with encouragement when you really need it. 
These are the people that will test your thoughts, your game plan, your actions, and most importantly, the desired outcomes. Do you need to change some of those people? Or do you need to upskill them and make sure that you bring the energy out of them so that they can have the best effect on you so you can deliver the performance that you really need to? Thank you for tuning into Olivia Calandro, Think Slow and Act Fast on the Active CEO Podcast. Life is not a dress rehearsal and an energy to perform. It is our role to turn the lights on and ensure you show up every day. You need to know your intent for every interaction and moment you have with the people you work with, share life with, and make a difference with. CEO Presence provides you with the tools and strategies to lift the energy when you walk into the room, raising the performance bar to a whole nother level. Learn more about breaking the CEO code and breaking the coach code by going to www.nrg2perform.com website. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.